0: So this is Easter Sunday, and it is the day we celebrate Christ's resurrection. It's the day that we celebrate our salvation. Salvation. It's the reason we're here today. It's the reason we gather every Sunday, for that matter. But I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered what your salvation is for? what your salvation is for. Like, why did Christ go through all he went through? Now, if you're like me, you're a child of the 80s, there's the 1989 answer that Depeche Mode gave us, (laughs) for me, right? Jesus died for me, which is actually so profoundly true, it can make your heart ache, right? That Jesus would die for me while I was yet a sinner. But if our answer stops with Depeche Mode, if our answer stops with our own personal Jesus, we might be reaching, but we aren't touching the fullness of our faith. No. What we need to realize, what we need to remember, is that our salvation, even our personal salvation isn't just for us, but rather, our salvation is for the life of the world. Jesus said as much after he fed the 5,000. Y'all remember the feeding of the 5,000? A couple of you were there? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He fed them, he fed them what? Fish and... Bread, right, and afterward, you know what he said? He said, I am the bread of life. This bread is my flesh, he said, which I give for the life of the world. And that is huge, that this life-changing sacrifice, that this life-changing miracle of resurrection isn't just about changing your life, But it's about changing your life so that you can help change what? The life of the world. That's what we're going to talk about today. The full breadth and depth of the life that Christ offers through his death and resurrection. We're also going to talk about Esther. It's the book we've been reading as a church for the last six weeks. We're to chapter 8 today. And we'll talk about Luke's gospel and the story of Christ's resurrection. But first, I want to open this sermon with a, a moment from the Gospel of John. Sometimes I joke, uh, it's true though, I, 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 I like to mow when, when I get to it. Um, I enjoy it. Um, and I enjoy it, it's part of my sermon prep. And so yesterday I mowed for the first time this year, which meant it took a really long time. Um, and, and as I was mowing, I, I got hit upside the head by the Holy Spirit. I thought it was a rock, but it was the <laughs> Holy Spirit. And... Um, I switched scriptures to open us up today, um, and so this is a moment in the Gospel of John. It, it happened before Good Friday. It happened before Monday, Thursday. It even happened before Palm Sunday. Right before Palm Sunday. You might anybody remember when Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the grave? You remember that? Yeah, he had died, and anyone remember how many days Lazarus was buried? Four. Four. Four days in the tomb it gets pretty stinky after four days in a tomb that's what his sisters were worried about and nevertheless they rolled that stone away and lazarus was what alive resurrected but word about lazarus got to caiaphas anyone remember caiaphas we talked about him on friday caiaphas was the high priest the highest priest the the top dog priest in the temple and he organized a plot to kill jesus And he began plotting right after he heard what Jesus had done, right after he heard that Lazarus was raised. Many of the chief priests, you know, they were worried about, they were under occupation. The Roman forces were were in charge, and they were afraid that word would get out about this Jew, this Jew that was doing miracles, and that the Romans might get afraid, and they might seek to destroy all the Jewish people out of fear. And that's when Caiaphas spoke this prophecy. This is John chapter 11, verses 49 through 53. We read that Caiaphas, who was high priest at the time, said to the, all the other high priests in their fear, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Now check this out. He did not say this on his own. As the high priest at that time, he was led by God, by the Spirit, to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the what? The world. And so from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. This is the word of God for the people of God, Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come here today in joy and thanksgiving for what you have done for us. We also come here in expectancy to hear what you would have us do for others. You know our hearts, each and every one of us You know our doubts, you know our failings, you know our hurts, and yet, you call to us you speak to us nonetheless. And so speak to us today, Lord God. Amen. So in their fear that Jesus' miracle-working power would threaten their tentative relationship with the Romans, Caiaphas explained his decision to kill Jesus. He said, Don't you realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed? And John tells us that Caiaphas was speaking God's word, that God used Jesus' murderer to speak prophecy. Only it was about so much more than Caiaphas thought. This wasn't about the life of the Jewish nation, this was the, about the life of the, who remembers? The life of the world. The life of the world. Only one person had to die to save the life of the whole world. Salvation. Which reminds me of our time in the book of Esther. Because if you remember, the book of Esther, it's in the Old Testament. It turns on the fact that Haman's hatred against Esther's cousin Mordecai was so great, he hated this man so much that one man's life was not enough for him. Haman's hatred for this one man was such that an entire nation had to be destroyed. And so the book of Esther tells the story of the salvation of the Jews in Persia. Esther tells the story of a young Jewish girl who becomes the queen of Persia, for just such a time as Haman's plot to kill her people. Esther overcomes her immigrant status, her young age, and her place as a woman in a society that didn't really have places for women. She overcomes all of this and risks her life to save the lives of all the Jews in Persia because she realizes that it is better for what? One woman should die for the peoples than for the whole nation to be destroyed. And so she enters the king's court without being summoned, which was a huge no-no, and invites the king and Haman to a banquet where she reveals her identity as a Jew and she reveals Haman's plot to kill her people. The king responds by hanging Haman on the same pole that Haman intended for Esther's cousin, Mordecai. But that's not the end of the story. No, unfortunately. Because just like Haman, one life was not enough for Mordecai. A funny thing happens when people gain power over the lives of others. Mordecai had gone. We've seen him lying in sackcloth and ashes as low as he could get next to the king's gate. We've seen him now taking Haman's place as the king's second in command. And King Ahasuerus gives Mordecai the same ring that Haman had used to seal the decree that ordered the slaughter of all the Jews. Only this time, Mordecai uses it to order the slaughter of all those who would have killed the Jews. This is Esther chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. And he wrote... Mordecai, in the name of King Ahasuerus, and he sealed it with the king's signet ring. And then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included. And to plunder their goods on one day throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. You see, Haman wasn't enough. One man wasn't enough for Mordecai. One death wasn't enough. We learn in Esther 9 that all told, 75,611 people had to die. And really, If you think about it, over the centuries, many more Persians and Jews died because this wasn't just about Haman the Agagite and Mordecai the Jew. No, Agagites and Jews had been killing each other since Moses and the Israelites were wandering in the desert back from Egypt to the promised land. Remember that story, anyone? Well, Haman and Mordecai did. Jews and Agagites had been remembering that story for hundreds of years. Jews and Agagites had been killing each other for hundreds of years. And finally, Esther and Mordecai brought salvation for the Jews. But they also brought about the annihilation of 75,611 Persians. Salvation. But at what cost? Which brings us back to Jesus. Jesus. And Easter on Good Friday how many people had to die one only one and that one person Jesus he died for how many people for the life of how many people 75,611 people no Jesus's body was broken the bread of life was broken for the life of what? the world. Thank you. You remembered. For the life of the world, for the salvation of the whole world. Salvation isn't just gained through Christ's death, though, because through his resurrection, Christ defeated death. Death lost its sting. We sang that. You said that today in very lovely, lilting voices. You said that. And now we have The eternal life that was promised to us. The world has been promised. The world has been promised eternal life. So this this is the story of the day that Mary Magdalene and the other women from Galilee remembered their salvation. It's also the day that Peter forgot it. This is Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 8 on the first day of the week now they're Jews so the first day of the week is sunday saturday is the sabbath where you rest sunday begins the new week so on very early on the first day of the week the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb they found the stone what rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find yolk no <laughs> Thank you, Dina. They did not find the Lord, the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has what? Risen. Remember. Remember. How he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And hear this. Then they remembered his words. You see, at first they wondered at what they were seeing, at what this empty tomb could mean. But then these two men in gleaming clothes like lightning reminded them the, the Son of Man will rise. The bread of life broken for the life of the world, the bread of life will be dismembered. But on the third day it will be remembered, made whole again. Just as this broken, dismembered world will be made whole again, just like our broken bodies, our broken spirits, our broken lives will be made whole again. And Mary Magdalene and the other women from Galilee, they remembered. And they found hope in that memory So much hope that they couldn't contain themselves. They ran back to their friends, the disciples, the people who'd been with Jesus the whole time. Well, except the last day, but that was hard. And they ran back to the disciples and and they said, it is just as Jesus said, he is risen, he is alive. Only one man had to die and that one man has now defeated death and is alive. But Peter... Peter didn't believe her. He didn't believe any of the women. What could they know? What could they do? It's all a bunch of nonsense, they said. Garbage. Actually, kids, this is my favorite moment. The Greek actually reads that Peter thought their words were a load of poo. That's the Greek. We like to nice it up in our Bibles. So Peter, he ran to the tomb to see for himself, and he saw the empty tomb, but Peter didn't remember, and so he went away wondering, is he alive? Did he defeat death? Could the death of one man actually bring about the salvation of the world? And here's the thing, who of us hasn't wondered? Did he really rise from the dead? I mean, come on, that doesn't happen. Who of us hasn't wondered? Did Jesus really defeat sin and death? Did he really bring salvation for me? I mean, who of us hasn't stared at the empty tomb and and looked over at the emptiness of our lives and wondered was the death of this one man really enough to save the entire world? Because we forget. We forget because it's hard. And when we forget so often we decide like Haman or like Mordecai that one death isn't enough. I mean Caiaphas said it, right? Isn't it better that one person should die than an entire nation than an entire world than all of creation? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. Christ did that for us. And not just so that we would have eternal life after death in this to this world, but that we would bring together and unite all God's children scattered across the what? The world to bring life to this world, here and now, but man, we don't remember. And so instead of life, so often we bring death. But instead of one death, we pile death upon death upon death. We're killing each other. We're killing each other in Ukraine We're killing one another in Myanmar and Yemen. We're killing each other in Israel and Palestine. We're killing each other in Mexico. We're killing each other in America. We're killing each other in our homes, on our streets, at the mall, in our schools. We're killing each other in our churches, and our mosques, and our synagogues. And it's not just with guns and missiles and weapons of mass destruction. We're killing each other with drugs. We're killing each other with alcohol. We're killing each other with lack of access to health care. We're killing each other with lack of access to mental health resources. We're killing each other with our words. Words that tear down. Words that can break a person's soul. And leave them empty like an egg. We're killing each other when we decide that someone is too old or too young or too broken to be of any use to anyone. We're killing each other because we won't listen to one another. We're killing each other because we're getting in each other's way. And we're killing ourselves. We're killing ourselves with damaging self-talk. We're killing each other trying to achieve the unattainable. We're killing each other because we don't stop. We don't rest because we think it's not enough, that we're not enough. We're killing each other, and we're killing ourselves because we don't remember. And so we keep on killing, and we keep on dying because like Haman and Mordecai and countless others, we can't believe that one death could possibly be enough. But there's good news. I made all the smiles in here go away on Easter. That was not my, <laughs> my goal. Because there is good news, the best news, the Easter promise, the salvation story, that one death was indeed enough, that one death was all it took, that one man, Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God, Jesus, that he died the final death, because in his death and his resurrection on the third day, on this day, Jesus conquered death. He defeated it once for all. There is no victory in death. Not anymore, because death has lost its sting. And if you're here today, and like Peter, you've forgotten that, then today is your day to remember. Easter is your reminder that Russia, they'll never find victory through death. Neither will Palestine or Israel find victory through through death. The drug cartels, the corrupt police forces in Mexico, they'll not find victory through death. In America, none of us will ever find victories in the ways that we make money from death. There is no victory when we tear ourselves and each other down. Because Christ already died that death. His body was already broken. Broken for the life of what? The world. See, you remember. And as Caiaphas prophesied, when he ordered Jesus' death in our life, in your life, in my life, in our salvation, lay the power to bring together, to unite all the children in this broken world. Do you hear that? That's why we're here, friends. Not because as human beings we've figured out how to wield our terrible, destructive powers of death, but because in Christ's divine resurrection we have been given, each of us have been given the power of life. And that power, when you look around the world, how many of us see brokenness when we look around the world? All you got to do is turn on the TV and you see brokenness. But we, we have The power to mend that. You have the power to unite a divided world, a broken world, and make it whole again. The power to give life, not just to ourselves, but to give life to the world. world. So let me ask you, see if we can remember. How many people had to die for our salvation Was it 75,610 people had to die for our salvation? One. One man. And that man rose again so that no one need ever die again. Last one. What is our salvation for? I, I gave you that answer. No, I didn't. I gave it to you earlier. What is our salvation for? Help him out, Matthew. Thank you. What is our salvation for? For the life of the world. Amen. Man, that felt really cool, Matthew. Can we do that more? Help him out, Matthew. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving Father, we come here today because of one man, one life, one body, your son, Jesus Christ. We come here in the midst of a world bent on killing each other, killing itself. We come from places of difficulty. It's hard to see so much hurt. Some days it's hard to feel so much hurt within ourselves. And so we come here today, on this Easter Sunday, wondering, is it really true? Is the tomb really empty? Will I get it wrong? Do I got egg on my face when I get to the tomb? Or did he really rise again? Did Christ really defeat death? Did Christ really defeat all that with, is within me that is broken and hurt and torn down? Is his life enough to build it back up again? Did he really defeat all in the world that is broken and dead and torn down? Did his, is his life really enough to raise it back up again? And so, Lord God, we lay all our brokenness at the foot of your altar today your son, your only son, our Savior, might raise it back up, might build us back up so we can get busy, even the four-week-old of us can get busy sharing your love, your resurrecting power with the world. It's in your name we pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.